This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Race number one of the playoffs. Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Temperatures near 100 degrees. Going to have to push, and there's danger every time you push too Welcome into NASCAR America presented by Mobile One. Carol Lomano alongside Kyle Petty. And we have our crew chief, Steve Letarte, joining us from Burns Garage as well. Let's get right to it and play up the playoff leaderboard. After one race, Brad Keselowski threw to the round of 12 with his win in Vegas. One of the biggest stories to emerge from yesterday's race was the trouble that playoff drivers found themselves in. It was complete chaos in the desert. This could be the most important race in the entire playoff. The four of Kevin Harvick up into the wall, the 20 nowhere to go, got up underneath him. Big damage for two playoff contenders. Not the situation we need to be in, we didn't have any bonus points for us. You told us before the race, you're happy you had those 50 bonus points coming in. I'm not happy about anything right now. Two playoff contenders out before the end of stage two. Big hit by Jamie McMurray, into the wall he goes, catches the nine of Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott nowhere to go in in his day. It's like half the top 16 scratch, so just got to finish, I guess. Kyle Busch into the grass, another problem for the playoff contenders. It's amazing how many of the playoff contenders have had problems. What he's really fortunate of is through right. this grass, not ripping the front splitter off the car. Very, very lucky, because that would have ended his day right there. That's what this time of year is all about, and is, is minimizing the bad days and being able to recover and come back. Denny Hamlin in the grass. Another playoff contender, and yes, the front end of that car destroyed. Watch this nose when the splitter digs in right there. Oh, yeah. Destroys it. He knows his day's done. You know, it should have just finished 15th or 10th or wherever we were at the time, but uh, trying to get more. Uh, car won't handle it. Trouble, we got trouble. Jimmy Johnson's got a right front tire issue. Clint Boyer has Clint, a problem too. Clint Boyer's Clint hit Boyer. the wall. Yeah. Jimmy Johnson in the side of Clint Boyer. Unbelievable. Such a bummer. We had such a good car all day. Alex Bowman's going to have a problem too. I think he has a tire down as well. He does. He has a left front tire down. Alex Bowman up against the wall. You can see there. Oh man, that's big contact with a 41 car. Coming to you, coming to you guys. A little bit more frustrating when there's more on the line. 
three more playoff contenders in one lap. We got another crash, 34 into the wall, collecting the 41 of Kurt Busch. Two more playoff drivers, the 41 and the 14 both involved. And now the question, can the 41 continue? There's only like seven cars actually still on the lead lap race. I know, I was just trying to capitalize on a lucky break. Still getting short in those days. As much carnage as we've seen here, this looks more like a short track race than what we would see in Richmond. Despite the number of postseason contenders who were caught up in incidents, the top seven finishers were all playoff drivers, and that includes all three Penske drivers finishing in the top five for the first time Sunday, also marking win number 500 for the Penske organization across all series. On the other hand, Bad days for Chase Elliott, who was 36th, Kevin Harvick in 39th, and pole sitter Eric Jones, who finished dead last. But one driver who is not complaining today is Brad Keselowski. He earned his third win in a row Sunday, and afterwards he joined Dave Burns in victory lane. I think first off, Dave, I got to say congratulations to all those fans that made it through the whole race in the stands at 100 degrees. That was really cool. Thank you to the fans. Uh, and Penske, uh, 500 wins today, huge day for the captain. Uh, I know Mr. Penske's watching. You did it, boss. Uh, but uh, to start off the playoffs with a win is, uh, uh, that man, that's really strong. And uh, let alone the three in a row and all that great stuff. But uh, it's really a testament to this team here. Uh, they, they've been so strong on pit road, and I couldn't have done it without them. We weren't as fast as a 78 car, but we nailed the uh, pit stops and the restarts when it counted. And uh, that, that put us in position. So. Uh, Really, really proud of the effort from the team here today. Fun race, hot one, but uh, those restarts, that, that was the key. If you look at results, 2018 has been the year of the streak. Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, and Brad Kozlowski putting their names into the record books. It marks the first time ever the three different drivers have won three consecutive races in the same year. Before we get to the day that the rest of the playoff field had, because it was wild, let's focus on just Brad Keselowski. Steve, we'll start with you. The two team has not led the most laps in any of their three wins. How on earth are they managing to do this? Well, you said it. It's the two team. It's an entire team effort. Brad Keselowski has always been a very cerebral driver. He's always thought um, how he can do it differently, how he can do it better, more than just one corner or one lap, whether it's pit strategy with Paul Wolf, whether it's taking advantage of getting in and out of the pit box. He seems to always be looking for an advantage, and I think it's shown up in the last three weeks. He did a nice job at Darlington managing uh, one of the toughest racetracks on the circuit, leaving himself in position for someone else to make a play, and that other person was his pit crew. They made the play at Darlington. He got out in front of Kyle Larson and then controlled the race, got the win. Go to Indianapolis once again. Doesn't have the best car, needs another team member to make a play. Well, at Indianapolis, it was Paul Wolf who made the play. This is that pit stop at Darlington that won him the Southern 500. And at Indianapolis, he had the freshest tires. He did get a lucky yellow at the end, but they put themselves in a position to use those tires. And once again, when it comes to Las Vegas, there were many dominant cars. The 78 was probably the fastest of the group, but the two just hung around. The difference in Las Vegas is it wasn't one moment. It wasn't one pit call. It wasn't one pit stop. It was domination on pit road by that two pit crew all day long that led for or that gave Brad Kozlowski the chance to win. Every time they came down pit road, not only were they flawless and didn't have a mistake, but they found a way to beat other playoff teams consistently. And once they gave him the lead off pit road, he managed the restarts and it was game over from there, Kyle. 
Yeah, you know, I think Brad is an old school type driver um, where he truly believes you've got to make it to the end of the race. And it's the old saying, before you can win the race. And he puts himself in position. He and Paul Wolf seem to find a way to be in contention or in the conversation when we get to the last 25% of the race. I have to admit, I'm beginning to believe Parker Kligerman. Okay, <laughs> I've made so much fun of him last He's week. Because, call us. Because it was Brad K, Brad K, Brad K. But I, I'm telling you, I believe Vegas made me a believer. I, I, I will say that. They find ways to win. Now, in the playoffs, they are a team, just as Steve said. That's a team effort that put them in position to win the race. They've only got to do that once every three races, okay? It's not like they've got to go on a streak and be hot, but they are streaking at just the right time. In the last 10 races or the last 12 races is when you want to get on that hot streak. Yes, Kevin Harvick was hot when they dropped the green flag on the season. Yes, Kyle Busch got hot a little bit later, and they've stayed hot, but Brad Kay seems to be getting hot at just the right time. In case you're watching at home, one of our analysts, Parker Klickerman, has maintained over the last couple yes. of months that Brad Kozlowski is the driver that belongs in the big four, yes, so to speak. Has. Just quickly, Kyle, a popular refrain that we've heard from Brad Kozlowski over the last couple of races is that he knows what it's like to yeah. lose close races, and that's why it means so much to win. That has kind of been his counter-argument when people have asked him questions yeah. We know him to be a driver that always looks for motivation. Do you think that that is something that he is clinging to, that he is due in some way? You know, I, yes, I, I do believe that. I do believe that. And, and look, my father used to say it. There, there, in racing, there's a scale. Um, you lose a bunch of races this way, you're going to win some close races this way. And that's what Brad and, and Paul Wolf are doing right now. At the same time, his motivation is to be champion multiple times in this sport. He has that one championship. Uh, but... Every year you see an interview at some point in time with Brad Keselowski that says, I need to back up that first championship. I need to put another one behind it. He feels, honestly, that this year is a great opportunity, and he's put himself and Paul Wolf and the Penske organization in that position. You know, Steve, you talk so much about the team. The numbers on Pitt Road really prove that. Oh, they, they were outstanding. Not just solid pit stops, but in the biggest moment, they were the best. I mean, look at this. Every time down pit road, other than at lap 84, he was the first car off pit road. That is phenomenal. Kyle, you can explain it. How much better it is, how much easier it is to control the restart as the leader. Second place car, he comes off turn two and third, sometimes fourth. We saw a lot of wheel spin, a lot of trouble on the restarts, but being the leader allowed Brad Keselowski to continue to set the tone and it was really all the pit crew. I heard someone ask me, they said, how were Brad Keselowski's restarts? And I said, well, they were good. Not as good as his pit crew, but they were pretty good because uh, the pit crew was plus positions and all Brad had to do was hold it, which in jest, only holding the lead is very difficult to do. But when Brad was tossed the ball for three weeks in a row, he ran with it. And this is what he did so well. He got out of the restart box, accelerates, and then has to defend. Someone's going to have a run. This time it was the 78. Those are difficult runs to defend. He did it well into turn one. But once he was clear into turn one, it was game over. Yeah, I think, and again, another stupid saying in racing, <laughs> pass as many people on pit road for me as you can because it makes it easier for me on the racetrack as a driver. And that's what his team does consistently. There's nothing worse as a driver to come down pit road running second, leading the race, and go out running fourth. And then you got to pass those two guys that you already passed to get the lead. Then you come back down pit road 20, 40, 50 laps later, and they beat you off pit road. Now i got to pass them again. There's nothing more frustrating but to come down pit road and have a crew like Brad has, 
who you know when you stop in that box, chances are you're going to pick up one, maybe two or three positions. Huge benefit for the driver. We will definitely give the entire team their props in our pit crew review. That's coming up in just a little bit. We have a big show, a lot of ground to cover today. Coming up, we're going to look back at the accident that took out both Kevin Harvick and Eric Jones and get reaction from both of those drivers. Ross Chastain's gamble on himself paid off big as he scored his first Xfinity Series win at Las Vegas. What does this recent success mean for his future? And in the IndyCar Series, we've heard this story before. Scott Dixon is the champion. He's done it a time or two, but it wasn't without drama. We'll look back at Dixon's drive to title number five in California One Country. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Welcome back, everybody. After a disappointing loss to Jacksonville, Tom Brady and the New England Patriots now facing their old defensive coordinator, Detroit Lions head coach Matt Patricia. It is Football Night in America, 7 Eastern, with kickoff at 8.20. That is Sunday, only on NBC. The four of Kevin Harvick up into the wall. The 20, nowhere to go. Got up underneath him. Big damage for two playoff contenders. I saw Kevin Harvick for about a lap. He started losing positions. They were going by him on the outside. He was very slow on the bottom. Clearly, I'd say he had a right front starting to come apart. Two playoff contenders and out before the end of stage two. It's unfortunate we had that happen. You know, nothing Kevin can do and nothing we can do, unfortunately. So it's um, not the situation we need to be in. We didn't have any bonus points for us, and uh, we got some work to do now. So. I don't think we got to win, but uh, we definitely got to run really well here in the ro or next week in the Roval. So we'll uh, we'll keep at it, but you know it's just unfortunate that had to happen. There's really no time for you to react at all when Kevin gets into the wall. Yeah, I saw him blow the tire, but I had already you know committed to the top and running up there and trying to get in the corner. And unfortunately, it's hard to get slowed up and get to the bottom when you're carrying that much speed. So it's uh, it's unfortunate, not what you want, but uh, we'll keep after it. Kevin, boy, you didn't have much time at all. You didn't have any, how much notice did you have? Well, there was something wrong from the time we, we put the tires on. It's like Russian roulette every time you put these piece of crap tires on and try to drive around the racetrack. It's um, one time it's tight, one time it's loose, one time they're blistered. And, you know, we had a great car, and then you put a set of tires on, and you can't even hardly make it through the field. Just, just hate it for everybody on our mobile one Ford. For you guys, I know it was a frustrating day, obviously, but you told us before the race you're happy you had those 50 bonus points coming in. I'm not happy about anything right now. Kevin Harvick, never one to uh, lie to us, especially <laughs> after the race. The thing is, he's still 38 points to the good of the cutoff line, Steve. Does he have another mulligan left in this round? Oh, well, this accident is the absolute definition of the value of the regular season because Kevin Harvick at 38 points above, I believe, has a mulligan, and Eric Jones at 19 points below. Remember, two drivers, same race, same accident. You see where the end results are. They finished almost next to each other in the grid. But uh, the points tell the story that Kevin Harvick, I mean, maybe not a mulligan of 40th, but, you know, when he's running 15th at Richmond, which I don't expect him to, but if he's running 15th, he can just be patient and take a 15th place finish knowing he could fight another day at the Charlotte Road Course. Eric Jones doesn't have that ability. If he's running mid-pack at Richmond, they're going to have to gamble and gamble right away. I think that's what you see. And, you know, Kevin Harvick was disappointed. He has every right to be disappointed. That attitude, that fire you saw in that interview, in my mind, is why Kevin Harvick has the points that he does. He goes into every race, every situation, expecting to go out and contend for wins, and you could hear the frustration in his voice. What do you think about Eric Jones, Kyle? How much danger do you see him in now? 
Yeah, big danger. Uh, I, th- I think he. I think Denny Hamlin is too. I, I, both of those guys who are, who are at the bottom of the list there, nineteen and twenty. Um, and and granted, you you can get stage points, you can catch up some. But the problem is, as we look at Jimmy Johnson, Chase Elliott, Eric Jones, and Denny Hamlin, these four guys. When we go into the first race of the playoffs, historically, two or three guys that come out of that first race that are below that cut line, never make it out of the basement. They stay below that cut line. So if I look at a Denny Hamlin, as I, if I look at an Eric Jones, I think these guys, just as Steve said, they had no mulligan. They didn't have those regular season points. And it's going to be tough, really, when we look at the finish of this race where seven of the top ten uh, were – playoff drivers. You've got to race those guys. Remember, these 16 guys are just racing each other, uh, and points are critical at this stage. Stage points are critical. We are going to talk about Jimmy, and we'll talk about Chase and some of these other drivers who are involved in this playoff format. For Eric Jones, when he got out of the car, you could see him so visibly yeah. frustrated. To your point, as a driver, it's so much on your mind, and you're also trying to execute simultaneously. Do you think the frustration came from the fact that there was no avoiding that accident or that he is just in trouble here? I I think the frustration came from a lot of things. They sat on the pole. They had a great weekend going, he felt like. Um, Maybe they didn't have a shot at winning a race, but he felt like he had a shot at a good top ten. Um, and he said he committed going into turn one. He committed to the high line. There was nothing he could do. Once Kevin Harvick cut a tire uh, and, and got into the wall, there was nothing he could do. So I, I think that's the perfect storm. It's a culmination of what their expectations were, the moment, everything that happened, uh, and then the realization that, hey, we're going to be at the back of the pack. Yeah, well, we promised you more playoff drivers coming up. A full look back at a very crazy day in Las Vegas. Several of those drivers taking big hits, not only on the track, but also in the standings. We'll show you who those drivers are in here for more playoff drivers when we come back. spot in the round of 12 is Brad Kozlowski after his win this weekend, his third consecutive victory after going winless in the first 24 races of the season, showing up when it counts. Earlier in the show, we looked at how chaotic this race was for so many playoff drivers. Why are you laughing? Because it was crazy? It was crazy. It was crazy. 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 Let's hear from some, though, who ultimately salvaged their day. Well, Martin Truex Jr. winds up second. What did you tell me before the race? One thing you were worried about? Short runs. How much did that hurt things? Uh, it took, took the race from us with no question. I mean, you know, after 15 laps or so, we just we could take the lead and drive away. So we were actually a little too good on the long run. I wish, you know, maybe we could have went the other direction a little bit and still been able to hold the lead. I thought I had a good run on the restart before the last one to try to uh, get Brad got to the outside of him. and. Uh, barrel it down into three, and we both did, and I don't know, I wish I could have that one back after uh, after all that, but um, 500 uh, wins for Team Penske, that's really cool. Wish we were the car to do it, but um, a good start for the playoffs. Uh, scored a lot of points on a lot of cars today. I told you before the race today, it was going to be a wild one, and uh, if you're consistent, you could really make a lot of ground. And I think it was just the heat, you know, it gets to people mentally and physically, and then you uh, make those mistakes that can really put you behind. And I told you I felt like I was in the best shape I've been in in a while, so uh, I'm feeling good after the race, too. That was a hard-fought sixth place. Uh, really proud of that effort. Um, man, these playoffs are tough. The intensity is really high, and, um, you know, it was, it was a good day for us to come out of here. We got a few stage points in stage one and got out of here with a good finish. So we'll go on to Richmond. 
Uh, I thought we were better at the end. I had great short run speed there at the end. I would just swing like I was before. I'd swing really loose and I couldn't really want run the wall and that kind of struggle. But I felt like we prolonged it until it got loose. But uh, and then all those restarts at the end, that kind of kind of hurt us. I thought we could have run a couple spots better. You you seen the four car had his issues into the corner on entry and, and hammered the wall. So if that would have happened to me, I mean my day would have been done and uh, would have not been good. So. Thankfully, it happened off of two and, and you know, didn't tear up the fenders too badly. So uh, we were able to repair the little bit of damage we had and, and salvage. I guess you can say salvage. It was a good day. Our car was still good after that. Our M&M's Camry guys uh, did a great job fighting through that and uh, getting me some good repairs and things like that on pit road. Obviously, that's what this time of year is all about and is, is minimizing the bad days and being able to recover and come back. So you don't want to have the bad days, but when you do, turn them around and... Um, make chicken noodle soup out of something else so um, you know all's good I guess and um, hopefully Richmond looks a lot better not a soup I'd be interested <laughs> in trying anytime soon Steve out of that group who are you focused on I always thought it was chicken salad but I guess he <laughs> makes soup so I, I think look there are so many mistakes I think the best way to go this is, is got, let's start with the guy who had trouble the first and that was Kyle Larson uh, he looked good at the track we expected him to run well at he runs very good around the top of the racetrack he was okay early, you see in the side of the top 10. But then look at that, all the way down to 27th. The, the trick is, look at, he continues to rebound. But it's not just from 27th up to 6th. I think another call that needs to be decided is right there on lap 160. He was kind of mired back outside the top 10. Couldn't find track position. Chad Johnson makes a gutsy pit call to stay out. Ultimately, they get another yellow. It works out well. They get their track position. So look at the climb. That's the key. The Valleys can define your day, but it didn't for Kyle Larson. He said they did get a little lucky that the tire went down where it did on the exit of the corner, not the entrance of the corner. But in the end, I looked down here, plus 19 points. That may not seem like a lot, but Kyle, you said there were seven guys in the top 10 at uh, Las Vegas when it came to playoff guys. I'm willing to bet there'll be 10 out of the top 10 when we head to Richmond. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that when we get to Richmond. And, and look, I, I do think luck plays into to part of this. Uh, and, and we heard Kyle, Kyle Larson say, Kevin's tire went down going in the corner. His tire went down coming off a of turn two. Uh, so he was up next to the wall, had, had time to get everything, and, and everything was – we look at Kyle Busch, okay, who spins coming off turn four, drives through the grass, doesn't tear his nose off. Denny Hamlin, his teammate, ends his day with the same type spin. So it's – you know, there is a little bit of the racing gods in there that are saying, it's not your day today. Continue on, my son. Uh, that type thing. So I, I think when you look at it – it, these guys did. When I look at Kyle, Kyle Busch, when I look at, at, at Kyle Larson, when I look at Ryan Blaney, they took a bad day or what could have been a bad day if everyone had run all day the way they were. Could have been a bad day and turned it into a huge positive and they continue on to Richmond. And like Steve says, uh, you're going to have to run in the top 10 when you get to Richmond. Yeah, well, you talk about an up and down day. Look at this one. And I'm going to tell you that first drop down to 19th, I'd love to tell you that was an issue. The issue, it was handling for the 18. They were just slow. They were back there in traffic. They could do nothing with it. They started to make the car better. That's when he spins out, goes through the grass. You mentioned, I don't know how the splitter stayed on that car. But he continued on those restarts to get all the way back to 7th. And at plus 63, he's one that I look at basically a lock for the next round. We say it's only Brad Kozlowski. But I think the 18 of Kyle Busch is as well. But I don't think any recovery, perhaps, is more valuable than what happened for Ryan Blaney. He got on the wall very early, uh, damaged the right side of that car, and that can easily ruin your day at a high-speed track like Las Vegas. They came down pit road. They, they fixed the fenders. It started right here with a run-in with Eric Amarola. It doesn't look like much, but 
you know how sensitive these cars are, Kyle. They had to make repairs. They did. They came down pit road, and it was a big swing. And now he is at 20 points above the cut line. I think that right there is going to be a big, big key for Ryan Blaney. I mean, look at this recovery. When he was sitting 29th, Kyle, it was not looking good for the 12 team. No, and, and we just saw that car on pit road. They're beating the right front fender out. They're beating the left rear fender out. And you think, oh, my gosh. And, and we hear you guys, we, we hear Steve Latart and Dale Jr. And, and Jeff talk about side force all the time and how important it is to keep that body intact, especially at a place like Las Vegas. Here he comes early in the race, and the right side is all but torn off this thing. And then we see his interview right before we did this, and he's like, yeah, I should have run better than fifth. You know what I mean? So that speaks volumes for that team. That speaks volumes for, for um, Ryan Blaney, where he believes that no matter what goes on, they can recover. And that's what these teams in the top five, at least two or three of these teams in the top five or six, did for me yesterday at Las Vegas. They recovered from what could have been a very bad day. All right, so let's flip this thing around now, if we can, and hear from some of the drivers who seem to be running pretty well, maybe surprising us, but they didn't end up getting the results that they wanted. It was nice to run up front, um, be one of the faster cars. I think we probably had a, a third place race car at least. Just um, got a little behind on adjustments when we had that uncontrolled tire, got, got too tight, and then probably had to abuse the car a little bit to get it back through the field. Trying to get more than the car is capable of going. Uh, you know, should have just finished 15th or 10th or wherever we were at the time, but uh, trying to get more, uh, car won't handle it. it uh, no grip and uh, just, uh, just a bad day overall. I got into the 41 a little bit off of turn two and didn't think much of it. And shortly after you know, the contact we had, um, I could feel the right front going down. So I don't know if it knocked the valve stem out or just cut the sidewall on the tire, but uh, such a bummer. We had <laughs> such a good car all day. Um, great pit stops, you know, really having a, a, a day that we should. And I just came up, uh, came up short. So we'll go to work. Next two weekends are going to be completely chaotic and crazy as well with Richmond and then the Roval. Um, but, it's, but I'm happy to have this Loser Pro Chevy run away. Steve, let's start there with Jimmy Johnson. Seemed confident before the race began, and then as the race went on, before he ultimately didn't get the results he wanted, car looked good, thinking yeah. maybe something was possible. What happened? Carolyn, at one point during a commercial break, I talked to the other guys in the booth, and I said, man, this would be the biggest story of the year if Jimmy Johnson, a day before his 43rd birthday, breaks his longest ever winless career streak. And it was close. I don't know if he had a winning car, but he was in the top five in the end. Aggression on the restarts. I'm not saying whose fault it was, but cars banging into one another eventually called, caused a flat tire. And that flat tire, more importantly, caused this 48 team some points. So if you look, they did good. They improved their car up to fourth. You don't think fourth should be a highlight. It has been a highlight for Jimmy Johnson this year, but at the end, all the way down to 22nd. But I can't think of a driver that had a more painful day than the 11 of Denny Hamlin. We heard the sound. What did he say? He got too much out of his race car. It's one thing to bang tires on a restart and have a flat. Denny Hamlin just flat spun out, and that's okay. He's trying. But you mentioned it, Kyle. Look, that looks just like the 18. Unfortunately, the results, much different for Denny Hamlin, tears the entire nose off the car. Yeah, and, and li listen, it, we look at Denny here. He spins down through the grass. Uh, just as you say, it doesn't end Kyle Busch's day. It ends Denny Hamlin's day. But I go back to those last couple of restarts and those last few few moments of the race when the 48 of Jimmy Johnson, the 88 of, of Alex Bowman, the 14 of Clint Boyer, all these guys seemed their day just went to heck in a handbasket, honestly, with 20 laps to go. And I think it, they all kind of had that attitude like Denny, trying to get more than maybe what they should have gotten, trying to make something happen. Look, 
when you're out there running and you're driving around there and you look up at the board and you see, oh, my gosh, my competitor, this guy had trouble, this guy had trouble, that's blood in the water. It's time to attack. And you get late in the race and it's like, yeah, I can finish ninth, but seventh is going to be better. Or I can finish tenth, but sixth is going to be better. And you force the issue three wide, four wide. We saw some crazy restarts, and it just bit these guys. And in the end, their bad luck made Eric Jones and Kevin Harvick and, and um, Chase Elliott, their day not seem quite as bad. Yeah, it's all connected. Just a quick question about the damage in the grass. You say it's luck and Denny yeah. Hamlin and Kyle Busch and whatnot. We always talk about how talented Kyle Busch is. Is there any reason to think that a driver is in control of trying to mitigate that damage where he could have done something as he was spinning to save the car in any way? Or does that really come down to pure luck when you, when you get in the grass like yeah, that? Yeah. I think it comes down to pure luck. Uh, they appeared to hit almost in the same place. One hit with the right front, one hit with the left front. Um, look, toss a coin. Yeah. Next time Denny comes out okay, next time Kyle Busch comes out and it ends his day. Yeah. Um, by the way, if you were watching our coverage yesterday, you may have seen an update from IndyCar driver Robert Wickens, who was seriously injured in that crash last month at Pocono. I uh, sent out a message to yeah. his fans on his Twitter account, and he offered an update on his condition from a rehab facility in Indianapolis. Hey, everybody. Um, I just wanted to take the time to send you guys a quick note. It's obviously been a long time since I've posted anything on social media, but. I just wanted to say that all of your kind words and all of your positivity has meant the absolute world to me and my family. Um, I'm in rehab now, trying to uh, get back to, to 100% as quickly as possible, but uh, I don't know what the future holds for me. It's going to be a very long road uh, to recovery, and uh, all I can say is I can promise you guys that I'm going to work as hard as possible and train as hard as possible to make sure I'm back in a race car as quickly as possible. And uh, that's that's all I can say for now. And I just want to say good luck to everyone in Sonoma this weekend. Um, I'm going to be watching from my TV here. And uh, yeah, just good luck, everybody. Poignant words from Robert Wickens, who says he is looking to get back into a race car. Just good to hear his voice as he continues a very long journey back from that horrific crash at Pocono. Coming up, we are going to recap the IndyCar Championship race at Sonoma when we come back. Very big weekend for Chip Ganassi Racing in both IndyCar and NASCAR. Ross Chastain coming up big in the Xfinity race. That and more next. you know that the NASCAR playoffs are coming to Richmond. Will short track chaos lead to a postseason surprise, perhaps? Monster Energy Cup Series hitting the track Saturday night, 7.30 Eastern, right here on NBCSN, so you know where to find it. As NASCAR is embarking on a very exciting playoff run these next few months, a champion was crowned in IndyCar this past weekend. Lee Diffie has a recap for you. Championship day on Sunday north of San Francisco was met with beautiful weather. Ideal conditions to determine a champion. The question was, would it be Scott Dixon? Could he possibly win a fifth title, boasting a 29-point championship lead over California native Alexander Rossi, who had continued to close that gap up until the last race two weeks ago in Portland. But early trouble for Alexander Rossi when he collided with his Andretti teammate, Marco Andretti. You see the smoke coming from Rossi's car. This is how it happened. 
uncertain if he charged in too hard or if Andretti checked up a little. It really hampered his chances. Ryan Hunter-Ray went on to get his second win of the year, but Scott Dixon got his fifth championship as his wife Emma counted down, yes. And that was something that hadn't been done in the series in 51 years since AJ Foyt did it in 1967. Wonderful weekend for Chip Ganassi, who claimed his 12th IndyCar title as an owner. Kyle Larson came home second in Vegas to boost his chances of advancing in the Cup Series playoffs. Ganassi's weekend started off on a great note in Saturday's Xfinity Series race. Austin Sindrick, Ryan Reed, and Ross Chastain held the last three playoff spots going into Vegas, but the day would belong to Chastain on lap three. Kyle, he took the lead. Passing Cole Custer here, he led 180 out of 200 laps in this race. A dominant performance. And this is the view that everybody watching on TV, everybody watching there, and the rest of the competitors saw for most of the day. <laughs> 20 laps to go on the restart, Chastain battling Justin Allgaier, Steve. Well, it wouldn't be a NASCAR race late in the season without late race restarts. He had a bunch of them, but did a nice job. Justin Allgaier, I thought was going to steal another win, having a great year. But in the end, the 42. He was just too strong. The seven could do nothing with him. He once again regained the lead. Algar, by the way, would secure the regular season title and those 15 playoff points. Another restart was six laps to go. This time Chastain blocking Christopher Bell. Yeah, blocks Christopher Bell down below the line, not out of bounds here. But I want you to see this. Six laps, and look at the distance he puts on the field in six laps. The dominant car won this race. May not have won on Sunday, but won this race. Chastain. The eighth generation watermelon farmer going on to his first Xfinity Series win. A little sponsor love in the burnout as well as well as victory lane. So here's a look at the 12 drivers that will be racing for a championship when the playoffs get underway Friday night at Richmond. As for Ross Chastain, his win on Saturday gave him the number six spot on the leaderboard. Let's hear from him now in victory lane. We did what we had to do, and, and we were out there racing, and now get this opportunity with, with CGR and Jeff and Paul at Karfoff. I cannot thank you enough. And at their own race, the DC Solar 300, we got watermelons at Victory Lane. Um, this is really a, a couple of weeks or a month since I've known about this that I will never forget. No matter what happens, if I go back to the farm tomorrow, I know I said that, but man, if I go back to grow watermelons, which I'm going to do one day after racing's over, but man, if I have to go back tomorrow, I will have no regrets, obviously. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna celebrate with these guys, man. They they gave me an awesome car. I can't thank them enough. And um, we did it. We did it. <laughs> you know, this is one of the biggest feel-good stories of the year, yes, I is. think. And I don't think that Ross is heading back to the farm just <laughs> quite yet. Not yet. Not yeah, yet. No, the win is coming in a second start for Chip Ganassi. In case you haven't followed this story, he revealed after the race, Steve, that he wanted this ride so much that he was willing to essentially drive it for yeah. free. Yeah, and I applaud Chip Ganassi, Doug Ducard, all of the decision makers at Chip Ganassi Racing. Basically, in today's world of racing, the unpopular conversation is the business of racing. Uh, sponsors bring drivers. Normally, that is how it works. But this time, Chip Ganassi, they have DC Solar on board. You mentioned they not only sponsor the car, they sponsor the race. They put a younger driver in there, an unproven driver, one that was tested at Darlington, had a cup veteran disagree with his moves that he got an accident with late. Chip Ganassi double downs with a tweet, said, nope, nope, I believe in this kid. He's going to get more shots. Only a couple weeks later, he's proven correct when Ross Chastain takes him in Victor Lane. It is a complete feel-good story. And Chip Ganassi had a great weekend. You know, motorsports is built around great people. Chip Ganassi deserves a, long, a lot of credit for what he does for American motorsports in total and all bunch of series. 
Dare we mention karma, Kyle, after that incident with Kevin Harvick <laughs> this weekend that Ross Chastain really handled with grace, by the way? Yes, he did. And, and it, he handled it with grace at Darlington. Uh, he handled it with grace after the. I love first-time winners. Love first-time winners because you see that excitement. I, I think so many times we see guys that win so much they just get jaded to it. Uh, I hope this kid never gets jaded to winning, and I believe he's going to win a lot of races. Let's take a look at um, something that he tweeted early this morning because he's just so excited. You get the feeling, haven't slept since I got off the plane at 3 a.m. this morning, watched a race back from this weekend so we could go over how to be better. Still did not seem real. And then the hauler pulled in, and they sat this in the middle of the shop. What a moment, Steve, to Kyle's point for a young driver, huge win, incredible month. Oh, without a doubt. It's an incredible month, and, and there's no telling what his performance at Las Vegas will do for his career. And the simple fact is, while he had a great race car, it wasn't easy. I, I actually am a fan of those final restarts. It proved what he had to do because he had the hottest driver in the Xfinity Series, Justin Agar, breathing down his neck. Any mistake, and he would have lost this race. And he drove it aggressive, as he should. Drove it like a veteran to get his first win. Rarely do you see that, right? But a veteran-type performance out of a younger race driver. Yeah, and I, I'm going to say not only what it did for his career, what it did for other guys, other drivers in his position, guys that told at the back of the field and maybe an underfunded team and then had an opportunity. There's going to be guys, owners in that garage area, like a Chip Ganassi, like a Richard Childress, like a Joe Gibbs Racing, that's going to be looking on that end of the garage area and say, wonder if that guy got in my car what he could do because Ross Chastain has opened the door, I believe, for other drivers to come the same route. And it all started because he was willing to bet on yes. himself. Incredible story. Um, coming up, Martin Truex Jr.'s team entered Las Vegas with with a number of question marks. Would they show up on Sunday? The answer was yes. Truex had a race high 96 laps, came home with a top three finish. We'll hear from the defending champion when we return. There is only one Las Vegas, the place where risk can lead to great reward or crippling regret. The stakes do not get any higher than they do in the playoffs. 16 drivers racing to take that first step toward a championship. And on Sunday, we saw which team went home with the biggest payout in Vegas with some help from a pit crew who have shown what it means to be clutch over the last month. front tire changer for the two-car Brad Keselowski. Uh, just want to start off with a shout-out to everybody at Penske who had anything to do with this win. Uh, awesome win to bring Roger his 500th win. Uh, great day on pit road. All the guys did a great job. Great job by the driver there at the end of Brad. All those restarts and it's just a great day to have everything work together and to get Roger's 500th win. Brad Kozlowski has certainly benefited from the good work of his crew on pit road, but the two team has also had its share of good fortune lately, as you've mentioned a time or two <laughs> on the show. But take a listen to what Martin Truex Jr. had to say right after the race. Brad clearly found the horseshoe. <laughs> Three races in a row he's won, he, hadn't has the best, he has not had the best car. Obviously, he hasn't led to most laps in either any of those races, and he showed up at the end with good pit stops and good short run speed. So... Um, I think clearly it's pretty obvious, you know, how it worked out. He's hot right now. He's on a streak. It's the way it goes. Um, you know, we finished third with the best car, so 
last three weeks we had a top three car and we finished 14th or worse in every one of them. You know what I'm saying? So it's a, it's a tough sport. A lot of things can happen and momentum is uh, momentum and, and luck being on your side. There's a lot to say for it. He's spot on. Um, you know, we have not been the best car the last three weeks. Um, this week we were probably a top three or four car. The 78 was clearly the best car. Um, and, and we put everything together when it counted and, and kind of stole it today. With that in mind, uh, no, I feel like we stole the last three races. We're not complaining, but we still have a lot of work to do to go out there and, and win um, heads up without those issues. Because we've already discussed in detail the execution of the two team, yeah. I want to focus, Steve, on Martin Truex Jr. When we learned the news that was devastating next year about Barney Visser having to close the doors of the shop, you and I had a conversation on NASCAR America, and essentially you said you had a hard time seeing how this team was going to move forward with news that would break anybody apart. And yet, Martin Truex Jr. confirms he had the best car on Sunday, won the first stage, led the most laps. What did you see out of the 78 that either leads you to believe that this team could in fact do something or that they may in fact not be capitalizing on having the best equipment? Uh, well, I think I'll take the best equipment in third any day because that, that tells me that we're on the right path to maybe win the next week of the next week. The 78 car hands down had the fastest car, which was surprising because he was in a Toyota and he was really the only good Toyota. Why Eric Jones started on the pole for the race, Kyle Busch was mediocre at the 11 of Denny Hamlin, frustrating to the point of an accident. Eric Jones was gonna be okay, got caught up in an accident. So normally when we see the 78 fast, we see the 18 fast. We did not see that out here. The 78 was head and shoulders above the rest of the Toyotas. So they've proven they have the speed. Can they continue to have the speed throughout the playoffs? There's nothing to point in any direction to say they cannot. Um, all I will say is the distraction of the team closure will become louder and more noisy as they get to the end of the year. Um, you know, it's musical chairs. And as you get closer to the end of the year, the available jobs and opportunities continually go away. And I think these guys and girls out in Denver are going to have to manage that. I think Cole Pern and Martin are doing a wonderful job managing the, the respect for the team and what they have next year and allowing their people to do whatever they need and somehow bringing that you know, eye of the tiger approach because that's what they look like. I saw Cole Pern walking through the garage and I didn't want to bother him because he looked like a guy that was there to win a championship. And I think um, that's all he can do at this point is somehow balance some empathy for his team with leading them in the battle. They did a great job on Sunday. The question is, can they continue? Yeah, I, I look at Cole and, and Martin and the road crew. They are old school. They are Dell Earnhardt Sr., Kurt Shelmerdine, Will Lynn, Chocolate Myers, they're that group that just goes out and beats you week in and week out. They are a team, a cohesive team. But Steve mentioned, what about the other 60-plus employees back in Denver? Those people are going to be looking for jobs. Those people are going to want to get out of Denver sometime in November and be moving east if they're going to go to work for a Joe Gibbs or a Richard Childress or a Roger Penske or a Rick Hendrick. If they're going to find other jobs, if they're closing down, that's where the team will begin to disintegrate a little bit and the team will begin to have cracks in it. Not what goes on at the racetrack. It's what the product that they get to the racetrack with, that team, what will they have to work with? That's where it may show up. So as we get closer, uh, four races in with two or three races to go, that's when the cracks may appear. Hey, Steve. Oh, by the way, um, Sunday was the first time that a non-Big 3 driver has won on a mile and a half since the Coke 600 last <laughs> year. 
Can you believe that? You probably can. That I think, well, I think that's what was so, so surprising is that they were beaten out the mile and a half. So that's where they've had the stranglehold on the series. That's where the series will crown a champion in Miami. I think we've all said it. We can see a different champion, a non-Big 3 champion. I was on this show with Kyle, and we said, oh, I didn't think all three will make it. Two of the three will make it. They can be beaten, but they have had such a great year, you just have to really look at the points and look at the math. It's going to be hard to pry them out of that final round. It can be done, but you have Brad Keselowski on to round two, which in my mind was the biggest win in round one playoff history because this round one is like anything we've ever seen. Remember, Vegas was supposed to be the calm race. Ha-ha. <laughs> 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 um, coming up next, we're going to check out our fantasy results from this past weekend. Speaking of huge storylines and surprises, <laughs> you are not going to believe who is leading our fantasy league. And by the way, do we need to start rethinking our strategy because of who's been winning the last couple races? More on our fantasy team when we come back. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Welcome back. Okay, so a look at the next couple of days here on NASCAR America. Tomorrow we have Scanall Las Vegas. That should be fun. It is also media day for the Xfinity playoff drivers. We'll hear from a number of them. And then on Wednesday, Kyle Larson going to join the show. Wednesdays with Dale Jr. That's going to be a must-watch episode as well. So the NASCAR fantasy playoffs have also begun. <laughs> look, <laughs> look who's leading the pack. None other than the oh. man to my left, Woo. Kyle Petty. He is tied in points uh, with Marty and Lee, and the beef is hot on your tail. Yes, but the, um, just for the record, let me say this. Before I, I picked mine was right before NASCAR America last week when I was on with Parker on Thursday, and I had to text Parker and say, how do you play this game? Yeah. I, I, didn't know who to, I didn't know what to do, so tip of the hat to Parker Kligerman. You know, Parker's the first one to tell everybody how to play this game, and yet <laughs> I have never seen his name in the five who have been leading the Fantasy League. Steve Letard's been in there a time or two, but Steve, I'm wondering from a strategy perspective, just quickly, you got to start putting Brad Keselowski in there more routinely, no? Oh, I mean, at some point, you're going to have to, you, you know, you can't call it luck when you win three in a row. He's been up there. He's been fast. The concern now, though, is he's locked in. Does that mean he's going to run better at Richmond, or does that mean he's going to take bigger risks? You've got to think about that. What's the team's motivation heading in to the short track? Right, Brad, he can relax the next two weeks. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, it's a great Share point. with us your thoughts on that, oh, wise one. I do it like this. Uh-huh. That's my pick yeah. right here on the board. Yeah, that is pure. <laughs> that looks like me in Vegas. Sure That's how I was in Vegas. Kyle Petty uh, in that spot next week. Happy birthday, by the way, to the oldest playoff driver and perhaps the best aerobic shape, Jimmy Johnson, 43 today. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again tomorrow at our regular time of 5 p.m. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.